0: Hello everyone. Welcome to this week's episode. I am your host, Anya Berg, and I am here with Noelle Silver. She is the founder and CEO of the Artificial Intelligence Leadership Institute. She is an AI influencer, a keynote speaker, and the founder of Lovefluencer. So excited you took the time to be here with us today. Welcome.
1: Yes, I'm excited to be here too. I, I love it when you know we can we we've known each other for so very long, and like our lives can come back kind of full circle and meet up again. So this is awesome. I'm so glad that you're doing this. I'm really excited to meet your your community. Yeah,
0: thank you so much. Um, so yeah, my first question is: um, being in the technology field for so long, like how did you first get involved in artificial intelligence? And um, I don't think I mentioned it, but you were on the development team for Alexa Voice, right? Yes, yes. And um, I think that was around 2012, 2013, correct? That's right, yes. So why did you first decide to work on Voice? Um, You know, what an interesting choice back at the time in 2012,
1: 2013. Yes, yes. As a matter of fact, I was at, Amazon, um, on my, you know, journey into cloud, as most people, you know, in technology, we've kind of been spending the last decade moving to cloud. I was a, a certified solutions architect on AWS and Jeff Bezos sent a note out to the company and said, we're doing this cool new thing. Um, who wants to join this team? And I knew nothing about artificial intelligence, have zero classical training in this space whatsoever. However, I have a son um, who has Down syndrome, and I immediately was like, voice technology, that could be interesting. And I was very excited about joining this team. And like most of us, when we get a good idea like this, we're all excited. We go to our hiring manager. And we're like, there's a new opportunity. And I don't know if this is true for everyone, but certainly for a lot of the underrepresented people that I mentor, we run into um, an interesting amount of friction with that manager who says, oh. Oh, you know, like my manager. You're not really technical, though. Like, even though I was, he just didn't know my history. But he's like, "You're not technical enough for that job. I don't, I, I don't see you being successful there." Mm -hmm. And I do realize now, in hindsight, that his guidance was around like his, his life got harder when I left. Obviously, (laughs) maybe had to hire someone else. Yeah, you know, so it's not usually in our manager's best interest to see us leave and do other things. So I get why they would say things like that, but if we aren't self-aware enough we might believe them and if i did not say yes and go around him and talk to the hiring manager and ask and say i will do anything to be on this team i will work harder i will get you know i will tell the world about this technology um and that's exactly what i ended up being able to do but i had to first go through that immediate resistance of really ai you can you can't do that you're not an ai person and I was like, I'm going to become an AI person. So that's how my journey into AI really started was by joining a team, a brand new team. I was employee 10 on that team. It ended up growing to thousands of people. Um, Our product at the time had about a thousand beta users. It's now over a hundred million, right? So, right. Like who who has, I never thought I would have an opportunity to be part of a project that was that big. Um, But that being said, my AI journey, yeah, it really... It catapulted um, on a product. Who knows? Alexa could have failed, right? And then who knows where I would be, but it didn't. It became a household name. Um, And so now that led me to work at at Microsoft, which led me to work actually at National Public Radio, which was a super amazing, fun role that I got to take, and then led me to IBM um, as an executive. And all of those roles, my goal has always been how do we use AI to help more people, help my son, help my dad, help help people who are not often represented in the typical audience of an AI product.
0: So good for you. And I mean, it's a perfect example how one decision in your life yes. has so many positive consequences, right?
1: Yes. Yes. Thank goodness.
0: <laughs> um, so can you share a skill that you worked on with Alexa? Oh, Sure.
1: So I built over a hundred skills as an independent developer. Yep. And I have five of them that are very popular, but one of them, uh, if you go to an Alexa device and you say, Alexa, open mindfulness, that is my skill. So Mm -hmm. it is um, very, very popular. I have a couple million users, unique users of these skills um, that I've built. And I never thought of myself as like an app developer that had users. (laughs) And all of a sudden that's, Um, I didn't have to build an application, none of my peers built that many applications. Um, But I chose to build, uh, build those applications for my family, and they ended up being very popular in the rest of the world.
0: Amazing. Were you able to monetize the
1: skills you developed at all? Kind of. Um, So Amazon started a program called the Developer Rewards Program, and they pay me to keep these skills alive so that their platform has meaningful and rich experiences for their users. So I do get some, um, I get like a monthly payment from Amazon to keep my skills going and a monthly credit on AWS to host the skills. So it's kind of its own little business.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Little um, side income, right? Yes. 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 Um, I want to talk a little more about the field of AI. So obviously there's brilliant women like you in the field as like entrepreneurs, venture capitalists, but I read that there's only 22% um, of researchers are female in the field. Um, So how... Or why do you think um, diversity is, is important
1: in the field of AI? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's uh it's unfortunate. I actually think we get a lot of people starting in the field, right? Who go to school, who start the program, who begin a research career. And being an underrepresented voice in any industry, really, but specifically in technology and in research, it's very, it's a it's like a constant effort, right? To be seen and it's exhausting, right? So, you know, you, it, just in the world when you have to constantly work mm-hmm. harder, just hard to be seen, yeah. mm-hmm. just to like, so, so that somebody recognizes your work in any way, it's an exhausting effort. And I think over time, people just tire of having to do extra, more work than their peers to just be seen as the same. Um, I recently saw Lynn, manuel Miranda, uh, you know, who created Encanto and um, Alexander Hamilton on Broadway, uh, he wrote a quote that I was like, that's it entirely. He was like, underrepresented people, specifically immigrants, right? We know coming out of like high school that we will have to work twice as hard to be seen as the same. And that, knowing that, it's kind of unfair. And I think we are coming to a sense in the, like in society, but they don't have to be, they don't have to do that. They don't have to have a job where they have to work twice as hard to be seen as the same. They could start their own business, which is what I ended up doing, right? They could they could join forces with other women and start a company. They could um, become a venture capital, become an investor, invest in diverse organizations and inclusive engineering teams, as opposed to being a cog in a machine that's very difficult to change from within. So I think that's why that number struggles to grow because people eventually just get fed up of that dynamic of that societal bias constantly, you know, forcing you to work harder. Um, and it's just, it doesn't seem fair. I oftentimes, you know, I have a daughter and I oftentimes I'm like, I don't know that I would encourage you to go into a space where you have to work so hard and then still not be seen as the best. Even if you're the best, being the best just means you're barely making it mm-hmm. <laughs> as a woman in tech. So and that's just, it's yeah. not a life I want for my, my children.
0: Yeah. And if you look at AI, I mean, it's going to change like all areas of our lives, right? So isn't it important to have uh, all these parts yes. of society represented in in the research and the development because it's going to
1: affect. That's right. The- it's critical. It's critical. But- That's why I actually coined the term inclusive engineering Um as I was working. And it's now been proven that one of the things that leads to a successful AI project outcome is correlated directly to the level of inclusiveness you have on a team, right? The amount of perspectives. And we're not saying you need more women, though you should, of course, (laughs) or more brown people, but really having a symphony of talent, right? People who have lots of different life experiences, right? To your point, like not just ethnic and gender, but people who think fast and think slow, introverts and extroverts, Mm -hmm. neurodivergent people, people who have families, who don't have families, who are caring for parents, who have dogs, like all of these people represent a different perspective, but then you have to have a cultural leadership that allows those perspectives to be heard in the development process. Because many times we have a lot of diversity and a lot of inclusion at the table But those voices don't ever get a chance to be heard. They're not asked to speak. They're not given an opportunity to share their ideas. Or if they are, they're immediately dismissed, right? So it's one thing to, that's why I'm I'm a little worried about our inclusive diversity, you know, DE&I efforts in big companies because it looks like a good thing. But if you don't actually have a culture that supports their voice, that supports the, the way, the ideas that they have, they're going to leave, right? When I would, I wouldn't want to stay somewhere where I say, hey, have we thought about kids with special needs? And if I'm not heard or if I'm dismissed, I'm not going to want to stay there. I'm going to want to find an environment or start my own company that can serve that audience that I care about. Um, So I think that's the challenge most companies have today is how do we create a leadership culture that, that inspires people to speak up and represent these different perspectives and these different features that we might want to release in a product. Yeah, so it, it sounds like education is really needed
0: about it for yes. people to understand, right? Yes, and so in AI the literacy. AI is a tool, right? So we people need to have the right values, right? Because that's right. Right. It's yeah.
1: Yeah, ethics and um and really learning how to make responsible choices, right? Responsibility means asking better questions at the beginning, using critical thinking, skills we learned and like you know upper education, in in high school, in in elementary, right? How do we think about what we're doing before we actually do it? Are we asking questions like not just what's the happy path of how someone might use this, but who could it maybe hurt incidentally, accidentally? Mm -hmm. Many times um, I have a Google alert that I have called AI gone wrong and it scours the internet every day for AI that was launched into production that did not have this lens of, responsibility or, or ethics. They didn't think to ask constituents that ultimately were hurt. Recently, there was a finance company that launched a credit program leveraging AI to make credit decisions. And I and my husband applied. And I am the breadwinner, right? Or the, the person who makes the most income in our family. And the algorithm gave my husband more credit than me. Oh, no way. And I Yeah, I could not. I was like, wait, what did you get? <laughs> This is 2022. Wow. Right. Like, I was like, why would you, why would I get less credit? Like, everything about my credit profile is more positive. Mm -hmm. I don't, that doesn't make sense. And so it just led me to realize, though, that chances are they trained it on a bunch of data that indicated that gender was a variable worth looking at and it shouldn't have been. Right. So these are the questions to your point around like, how are we going to fix this? <laughs> right? yeah. We have to ask better questions when we're building this. We have to build a more inclusive team because otherwise, in this case, when that went live, they hadn't tested it on that dynamic, on what if a woman makes more than the perceived data set of men in there, right? What happens when the, there's a different demographic or a different set of psychographics even, about a person that changes the way that AI model should make a decision. A lot of companies never even ask the question. They don't even, they just, they're excited at the idea of having an AI automate processes and they don't think about what it'll do to the people trying to use it. Wow. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy world we live in. Yeah, yeah. Um,
0: so you are an advocate for women in tech and you are all about mindful leadership, right? Yes. So. Can you say, what do you see are the challenges that women unfortunately still face in the technology field?
1: Yes. Um, One of the biggest things I learned and actually most of the things that I've learned, I learned through watching leaders that were either good or really bad, (laughs) right? So a lot of the practices that I, I created this framework of mindful leadership around these concepts that I learned watching leaders who would yell at people when they didn't do what they were supposed to, right? Who would, like, if our numbers weren't where they were, if we missed a target, like the response was to yell at your employees. And I was like, okay, so that we're not doing that, (laughs) right? That's not what mindful leaders do. Um, And as an underrepresented voice, I realized how important it was for me to be very intentional in my approach. As you mentioned at the beginning, I kind of handcrafted the the companies I chose to work at, and that was very intentional because of societal bias, right? I actually, in order to get the jobs that I want, I have to prove, overly prove, right? Like, oh, you've worked at this and this and this and this. Mm -hmm. Okay, then we can consider you. If I worked at anything less, my options would change because they would- Like, like they would actually, even though I am the same, my experiences are similar because I didn't hand pick and curate my path. The perception of my success would be different. Um, And that, again, I don't find that my male colleagues in this industry suffer that same consequence. I see people getting picked up from no name, you know, companies that are very small into big companies that's not true. When you look at the women being acquired or, or uh, hired into big companies, if you look at them, they're all rock stars because they had to be rock stars to even get seen by the algorithm. And there's something wrong with that. Right? Like, yeah. 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 There's something wrong with that.
0: Thankfully there's women like you who are trying to actively change it. Right. That's so right. Or at least bring about- awareness. Yes. 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 So tell us about
1: love influencers. Yes. What is this? I love this. Um, yeah. I ended up, I think it was a couple uh, summers ago. I woke up one day and I am, I'm on, you know, I'm a producer of content. So I'm on Instagram and I'm looking at all of these people, especially in the entrepreneurial space. And they're talking about money and Rolexes and boats and jets and all of these things that they're, they're giving the perception that that is what success is, mm-hmm. right? Success is having all these things. And sure, of course. I'm not turning away a jet if I get one, right? Like, sure. But I felt like there was a whole community of people that wanted to be influencers that didn't want to be about the money, didn't want to be about like rolling out, you know, having a gun that shoots cash on an Instagram (laughs) reel, you know, like that there's some of us that actually care about authentic connection, that care about um, you know, someone's mission, being mission driven, being, um, getting the vision of you want, of what you want in the world to come true. And so I, when I woke up, I got this idea. I was looking at, inf- of course, influencers. And I was like, you know what? I want people that are more empathetic, more focused on love than acquisition of stuff. Right. And so love influencers was the name, but it was the first time in my entire life that I knew all the things needed to build a brand. So I acquired in the morning, I got the domain name, I built a website, I created an automated email sequence for people who joined, I created a five-day challenge that you could take to learn how to become a love fluencer. You know, up until that point, I always knew to do one thing, I, I knew to build a website, but then what? I knew to create an email list, but then what, right? And this was the first time I created an entire business in a single day, wow. from the website acquisition, to the automated email sequence to a challenge that drew, drove traffic to a product which ended up being a coaching program where people could learn from me how to become a love fluencer in the world and it was i was like this is how businesses can be born you can like, do all the things human it's uh, yeah. I mean, yeah yeah <laughs> on a roll yes. 24 hours that's right that's right i i make time <laughs> It's so beautiful. I think this is what we need in the world. It's yes, more of them. And that authenticity, right? I use that word and we use it a lot in the influencer world, like how to be authentic and you should be authentic, but really what it comes down to for me, my definition of like the reason love fluencers exist is that I, I think there's a whole bunch of us that want like we have a vision for the world that we want. We have a vision for how we want to see the world be better and how we want, you know, our children to be happier and our families to be happier and and our work to be happier. Mm. And we've got this vision and now the authenticity comes in. How does that vision turn into the words that you say every day and the things that you do every day, Right. that congruence between, you know, it's like mind um, idea expression or mind, body, spirit, like all of them operating from the same core purpose in life. And so now rather than me, I do talk about the technology a lot, but I almost always start with, what is your purpose? Why are you doing what you do? Because it is that, now you've got AI to help you do whatever you wanna do, but if you don't have clarity in what you want to do with your life, with what, why you're here on this earth, you won't know, you won't be guided to what AI model to use to solve that problem for someone right? And I created. It's like, oh my God, yeah. to you, I'm having goosebumps. It's so beautiful. Yeah, you have. Yes. A- and that you're not alone, right? Like you think yeah. that, that's why I love that we're talking because you think the same way, your audience thinks the same way. But oftentimes when we're by ourselves, we're like, we're the only one who thinks like this, but mm-hmm. it's not true. We just haven't learned to leverage social media in the same way that those cash throwers have leveraged mm-hmm. it. And it's time for a change. Like we could do the same thing. We can acquire the same amount of customers. We can have the same amount of wealth, but we can do it from a place of compassion, of empathy, of, of congruence. Right. Right. And, um, and I've seen it work. I've built now several businesses on this premise of being myself of not, you know, suiting up and changing who I am to be what my audience, I think my audience wants. Like I instead show up exactly as myself and I let my audience opt into me. And I, And I find the more authentic you are, the more true to your your purpose and clear about your purpose you are, those people will show up, they will come to you. And there is a world where you don't have to like haggle people for a sale, where you don't have to like, you know, sell, 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 or, you know, have these uncomfortable conversations where you're pressuring someone, calling them all the time. There's a world where customers come to you and they ask you to be their person. They ask you,
0: this is so
1: encouraging
0: because we still think it has to be the masculine way, like pushing and pulling and forcing. Yes.
1: Yes. And it's not true. And now more than ever, because, um, you know, we can leverage these tools that these other industries have used of native advertising to target directly people who care, who listen to Brene Brown, who like Oprah, who are into mindfulness and meditation, but also like to build a business. We can target them exactly and tell them we're here. We can help you. Here's what I offer. And I think the difference with the way that I've gone to market in my companies that's made them so successful is that I'm always leading with, here's how I can help you. And if this isn't valuable to you, like, Then okay, bye. Like it's it's okay. You don't have like I'm not here for you. I'm here for the one person who wants to like one of my programs is teaching people to speak on stage, um, getting them public speaking experience. And like people come to me and they're like, I want to speak on stage. They I never haggle, I don't have to like have a high pressure sales call, right? They're coming to me. I they opt in on a form. I never even talk to them until they've already said yes. And that world is possible. But to your point, a lot of people think it has to be the other way. I have to set up a funnel. I have to do discovery calls. I have to, you know, beg people to do business with me. But if you're truly authentic and clear about what you offer the world, people will line up to do business with you. Yeah. I (laughs) truly
0: believe in energy, like the energy spring out to the world that attracts the the right people back to you. So, um, how can people find you if they want to work with you, if they want to dig deeper and see what
1: you're all about? Absolutely. So the best thing to do is to find me on LinkedIn. So you can go to linkedin.com slash in slash Noelai um, and connect with me. Don't just follow. I mean, you can follow if you just want to watch, but connect. Let's build a real connection. Um, I often can't do one-on-ones with everyone who connects with me. I have tens of thousands of people. Um, but I do want to start a conversation. And then I do often live Q&A sessions, live ask me anything sessions, things like this, where people can just come and have, you know, one, realize they're not alone, be in a community of people like me. Like I happen to be very passionate about getting on, you know, getting in front of your audience and getting on podcasts and getting on stages. But there's so many of us that are doing good work, building very successful businesses to just our narrow little audience. You don't, I always talk to people about, A thousand true fans. It was an article written by Kevin Kelly about ten years ago, and it talks about a world where we, as creators, people who are building value in the world, we only really need a thousand true fans to pay us a hundred dollars, right? A hundred dollars, and we have a six-figure business. That's it for the whole year. One hundred dollars for the whole year, and we have a six-figure business. So, but now think about it a little bit differently. For me, I shifted that and I said, well, what if I get a hundred people, a hundred people that know, like, and trust me, that understand my value, understand what I could do for them. And I charge them a thousand dollars for my program, a coaching program, whatever it is, an event. Now I've again, got a six figure business that can support me, but I'm doing what I love and I'm completely aligned. And I don't need, you know, a, I don't need, somebody told me, I don't need a business's last name in order to do it. I've done that work. I've gone in, I've had IBM as my last name. I've had Amazon as my last name, but you don't need that today. Mm -hmm. You can just be yourself and you can find a hundred people who are willing to invest a thousand dollars in your ability to change their life. But in order for that to work, you have to be clear yourself on what value you bring to the world. And that's that guy. I don't know if you're into that, um, this process, it's called guy. It's like a, a diagram that, It has you think about what you're good at, what you love to do, but also, right? How does the world need and who's gonna pay for what you do, right? What is the combination of those things? Um, And I love that exercise because lots of us are good at things. Lots of us love to do things, but there's this special thing, like me, it's speaking. There's a special part of us that is uniquely good, uniquely, um, you know, love to do that thing, and the world's willing to pay you for it. And that is, that's the magic, you know, that's the magic component I look for in every person that I meet.
0: (laughs) I love it. Oh my God, Noel, thank you so much. I'm so, so happy you were able to join us today. I mean, such, I wanna keep talking to you so much value. Um, I'm gonna, you know, link your LinkedIn profile and everything so we can reach out and um, yeah again, thank you so much. It was such a pleasure having you here.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is amazing. And I'm so excited. I can't wait to follow all of your success.
0: All right. Thank you.